Well, hello and welcome to Purpose Church. My name is Eric and I'm one of the pastors here. And we're so glad that you are joining us today. In fact, we believe that God loves you so much and we love you and we would love to get to know you, especially if you're new to our online community. I would love to invite you to visit our webpage, purposechurch.com slash next steps. Share with us a little bit of information about you and how we can connect with you better. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of 1st John and today we're going to be looking at five books of the Bible. We'll be looking at 1st through 3rd John, Jude and Revelation with a sermon title, Jesus our first and last. Now today is our final sermon in our year-long series, Jesus on every page, where for the entire year we've been discovering and exploring where Jesus shows up on every page of the Bible. And today we're looking at the final five books of the New Testament and we're gonna discover together five promises that God has for us as we enter into 2024. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's take a stroll down memory lane and look at where we have been this entire year. Uh, I, I want to take a moment to kind of revisit some of those mini series within our year-long series. First, we started with where it all began. Th this was the f series about the first five books of the Bible from Genesis to Deuteronomy. Then we went to No Perfect People Allowed. These were the historical books, Joshua to Job. Then we did God's playlist, which focused on the poetry and the wisdom books from Psalms to Song of Songs. Then we did a mini series called The Majors. These were the prophets with longer books, Isaiah to Daniel. Then we did The Minors. These were the prophets with shorter books from Hosea to Malachi. Then we found ourselves in the New Testament with a mini series called The Jesus Movement, where we looked at the four gospels, the four historical accounts of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then we just ended our series, The Letters That Changed History, which looked at Acts all the way through 2 Peter. And today we find ourselves in our last sermon, our last mini-series, The End Is Just The Beginning, the final five books of the Bible, 1 John 2 Revelation. Now I want to take a moment to, to thank a few people. Our whole team has worked so hard on this series, but I wanted to thank a few people in particular from our production team and our lead pastor, Pastor Glenn Gunderson. Pastor Glenn, he, he had a vision for us to do a year-long series looking at every book of the Bible, not only to discover where Jesus was on every page, but to help, help all of us increase our biblical literacy. You see, we're in a culture right now, very unfamiliar with the Bible. And this whole series was to help give us an overview of how the books of the Bible all function together. And so this is Pastor Glenn's vision. And I'm so grateful for all that God has done in my heart and our church's heart and lives through this series. And then I want to thank Christy, Kyle, and Pete. They have worked on a production side from graphics and videos to create such cohesive designs and videos 
in, in such a way that each of the mini-series, as you saw those graphics, really complemented each other to make one big series. And so I want to encourage you to also visit purposechurch.com slash Jesus on every page where you can watch all the sermons from the year. You can see all the graphics and enjoy all the reading plan and the resources that we have available for you. So thank you to this team. We so appreciate you. Now, before we get into the five promises that God has for us in 2024, I, I want to give us some context as we've done through this entire series on each of these books. So let's talk about first uh, through third John. First John, second John, and third John were written by the apostle John, one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus, who also wrote the gospel of John. John was one of the two sons of Zebedee. He was the brother of James and together they had the nickname sons of thunder. First through third John were sent to the churches and sometimes individuals in Ephesus, which is modern day Western Turkey, and possibly circulated to churches throughout the rest of Asia. The date of their writing is uncertain. Some believe between 60 to 65 AD, while others believe later between 80 to 90 AD. They were written to encourage and strengthen believers and churches in their Christian life. John became known as the apostle of love since the theme of love is so prominent in his writings. And as tradition goes, uh, the apostle John, he would constantly preach about love. And at one point, his congregation said to him, why do you keep preaching about love? And he simply replied, as soon as you start practicing the love of Jesus, I'll preach on something else. Well, with each one of these books, since we're only talking about a few verses in each of the books, I want to give you resources to help you go deeper. And so with first through third John, here, here's a resource to help you go deeper. Dr. Tony Evans, Evans created a video series on these three letters that is absolutely phenomenal. And you can watch it for free. And in fact, this is Purpose Church's gift to you. If you go to purposechurch.com slash right now media, you can get a free account to right now media, which is like Christian Netflix with kids videos and parenting videos and marriage videos and leadership videos and, and videos on different books of the Bible. And once you create a free account, you'll have access to to this video series on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. The next book we'll be talking about is Jude. Tradition holds that Jude was written by either a leader in the early church in Jerusalem, the apostle of Jesus, or the half-brother of Jesus. The evidence most strongly supports that the author is Jude, the half-brother of Jesus. The recipients of the letter are not known. References to Old Testament people, places, and events suggest that they were Christian Jews of Palestine, the land west of the Jordan River. The date of the epistle or letter is uncertain, but most scholars estimate it was written between 67 to 80 AD. The letter was meant to warn of false teachers and to encourage true believers to defend the faith. Jude also warns against denying Christ's lordship, following fleshly desires, rejecting authority, being divisive, and living for self. Now, a great resource to help you go deeper in your study of the letter of Jude is Jackie Hill Perry's book, Jude, Contending for the Faith in Today's Culture. And then last, we'll be looking at the book of Revelation. Revelation was written by the apostle John, who also wrote the gospel of John and the three letters of John. 
John wrote Revelation while he was in exile on the island of Patmos, a small 10 mile by six mile island in the Aegean Sea, located about 37 miles southwest of the coast of Asia. John was banished to Patmos for preaching that Jesus rose from the dead and that he alone is God. Revelation was probably written around 95 AD, near the end of the rule of the emperor Domitian, who viciously persecuted Christians. It was written to the churches in the Roman province of Asia. While the letter is largely prophetic, the original audience for Revelation was persecuted Christians living in the seven cities mentioned in the book. The letter records four spectacular visions that Christ instructed the author to write down and send to the persecuted churches in Asia. The purpose of the letter was to encourage and challenge Christians. The central theme is that Jesus, the Lord of history, will return without fail to earth to bring history to its proper conclusion. Now here's two resources if you're wanting to dive deeper into the book of Revelation. The first would be a parallel commentary edited by Steve Gregg called Revelation Four Views, which basically analyzes every single verse of Revelation through the lens of the four most popular interpretations of this book. The second resource I'd love to encourage you to check out in case you missed it was a 10-week purpose church series that we did here called Dear Church. And you can go to our YouTube channel and you can watch every one of these messages. Well, without further ado, let's look at the five promises God has for us as we move into 2024. Promise number one, when you do as Jesus did, you will see what Jesus saw. Now, earlier uh, this fall, I had the privilege and the opportunity to coach two of my kids' separate basketball teams. I coached Charlie's basketball team and Brinley's basketball team. And I wish I could tell you that I'm dad of the year and that I volunteered to coach their teams and that I was really eager and excited, but the truth is that's not how it went down. In fact, I got an email from both of their teams, from the organization managing both their teams, and they said, look, nobody has signed up to coach. You've been selected. And so I found myself coaching both their teams. And I got to be honest with you, I was really nervous about it. I was excited to cheer them on in basketball. I was scared out of my mind because I, I love playing basketball, but I didn't feel confident coaching basketball. So what I did during our first practice is I just looked around at the other coaches to find out what they were doing. And then I did that with our team. You see, I didn't spend my time trying to reinvent coaching. I didn't try to think of new strategies that no one had ever thought of before. I simply thought about what coaches did when I was playing basketball and what I saw other coaches doing and that's what I did. But I had an amazing moment during, towards the middle of the season on Brindley's team. There was a, a student who had just moved here from China named Rubio. And Rubio didn't speak any English. And so he was learning English throughout our season. And halfway through the season, Rubio said something to me that nobody has ever said to me before in my life. Rubio with broken English, he looked at me at the end of one of our games and he said, Coach, your muscles are big. I said, Rubio, 
you've, you've made me the happiest man ever. I, I could die a happy man. No one's ever said, Eric, coach, your muscles are big. But th- what happened is we just had this amazing bond and this connection with these teams. But when it came to coaching them, I didn't try to reinvent coaching. I did what I saw other coaches doing. You, you see, that's kind of what John is getting after in his first letter. In John, in 1 John chapter 2, he says this. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. John, in this short letter, uses the word love 24 times. And here, John says, if you want God's love to be complete in you, you must do as Jesus did. There's a really popular catchphrase that says, what would Jesus do? But I actually think there's a far more important question, and it's this. What did Jesus do? Maybe a question that God would want you and I to ask going into 2024 would be this. How can I do today what Jesus did then? Well, what did Jesus do then? He he was compassionate, so we should be compassionate. Jesus prayed for the sick, so we should pray for people. Jesus made disciples. He invested in people, so we should make disciples. I I was having a conversation this week with one of our young adults here at Purpose Church, and she was sharing with me about how there's some people in her life who aren't Christians, don't know Jesus, and, and they're engaging in some things that the scriptures clearly teach against. They're engaging in some sin, and she was wondering, how do I interact with these people? And you see, the temptation for people who follow Jesus is to, to, to move to two extremes. The, the first extreme says, I'm going to stay as far away from sinful people as possible. The second extreme is to say, well, there's really no such thing as sin, or I'm not going to discomfort or inconvenience people, and so I'm not going to really talk about sin. But what did we see Jesus do? John commands us that if we're truly in Christ, we will do today as Jesus did then. Here was Jesus's strategy. Is he loved people and met people right where they were at. And he called them to repentance. So what should you and I be doing in 2024? We should be loving and meeting people right where they're at. And then through our relationship with them, as we build trust and as we have opportunity to share and to invite them to repent, to give their lives over to Jesus. And then we will see what Jesus saw. Promise number two, your output will be the result of your input. The next book, 2 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, says this. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. 
And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the father and the son. Now here, John uses the phrase chosen lady or dear lady, and he refers to their children. Some scholars believe that John is actually writing to a real family, to to a mother and her children. Other scholars believe that that these are metaphors for a sister church that, that first received the letter of 1 John. But either way, John warns against the deceivers. The deceivers he's referring to were those who propagated a message of docetism, which docetism is a heretical, meaning non-biblical belief, which taught that God did not take on human flesh in the form of Jesus and that Jesus only seemed to have a physical body. This was a popular false teaching of that day. And I I think it's really interesting because in Jesus's day or in the days of John, many people believed, well, Jesus was God, but there's no way that he was also fully human. And I would say today, most of the population of the world, most of the world believes that Jesus was fully human, but not that he's fully God. And to think he's fully God and not fully human or that he's fully human and not fully God, is to miss who Jesus is, that he was both fully human and fully God. Now, John warns us to be thoughtful and intentional about our input, about who we're surrounding ourselves with. In 2024, I think it's important that we're cautious and thoughtful about who or what we listen to and watch, who or what we allow ourselves to be influenced by. Because what comes into us will ultimately come out of us. Our output is the result of our input. But maybe a more helpful question is, what do you want your output to be for 2024? In fact, some people like to come up with a word for each year. And so I want to ask you a question. What do you want your word for 2024 to be. Now, 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 maybe you're asking the question, what would God want my word to be? In fact, I would ask you this question. What does God want to develop in me this year? If you're asking that question, I think a great place to go is Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the fruit of what God's trying to do inside of every single person who's a follower of Jesus is love, joy, Peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. If you're trying to find a word for 2024 and you're wondering, what does God want my word to be? I think this list is a great place to start. And so let's pause right here. How would you fill this in? My word for 2024 is. In fact, maybe take the rest of today and think about What do you want your word for 2024 to be? 
To help you, let me ask these two questions. Which fruit of the spirit does God want to develop in me this year? And then the second question is also important. How does God want me to participate in developing that fruit of the spirit in me this year? Promise number three, there is no greater joy than investing your life in another. Well, we find ourselves in third John and we're gonna see John cheering on a church leader, probably an older church leader by the name of Gaius. In third John, it begins like this, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephus, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dang, there was some drama in the first century church. You see, John begins by saying, I have found such great joy from the fruit that is coming from Gaius's life. So John invested his life in Gaius and now Gaius is investing his life in others. And John says, man, for 2024, if you want to experience great joy, it's going to come from investing your life in others. Gaius is described as somebody who's welcoming believers that are new to the community. Gaius is probably financing some of these foreign missionaries. He's honoring them during their worship services. And yet there's this guy named Diotrephes who he's prideful. He's divisive. He's pompous. He's self-righteous. He's spiritually arrogant. He, he, he thinks that he's full of the spirit, but really he's just full of himself. You see, Diotrephus, he's looking for every opportunity to critique while Gaius is looking for every opportunity to encourage. Could I ask you in 2023, which of those describes you? In 2023, were you looking for every opportunity to critique or were you looking for every opportunity to encourage? In 2024, which do you want to describe you? One of my favorite verses in all of scripture is Hebrews chapter three, verse 13. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. This is one of those few places in scripture where we are commanded to do something every single day. And take note of this. This is in the imperative. This is not a suggestion. 
The writer of Hebrews isn't saying inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's not saying if you feel up to it today or if you are more of an encouraging person or if you're inclined or if everything's going well or if your spouse is doing everything you want them to do or if your kids are behaving or if your paycheck got the raise you were hoping for. No, no, no. He says encourage one another daily. What would it look like for you to embrace this command from scripture to be like Gaius? to be obedient to scripture and to encourage daily. Now, whenever I think of Gaius in the Bible, I can't help but think of the only other Gaius I know. He was a young man who came to our high school ministry during the pandemic. I remember meeting him for the first time over Zoom. He quickly became a part of our ministry. And this guy, he's going to be like the next C.S. Lewis. He's an incredible thinker. He loves Jesus. And then I remember the day that he called me and said, Pastor Eric, I want to get baptized and I want you to do it. And I was so honored. I said, Gaius, absolutely. And then he dropped this little detail on me. He said, I want to get baptized at winter camp in Lake Arrowhead. And I said, I thought about how cold it was going to be. And I said, we may need to find a substitute. We may need to find somebody else to baptize you. No, I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And we have some pictures here of that baptism. And I got to tell you that it was in the evening as the sun was setting in the middle of February, we were in Lake Arrowhead. This was the most dangerous baptism I've ever done. I literally thought I might die as I was taking Gaius under the water, which in baptism symbolizes dying to yourself. I was like, I don't know if I'm coming up. I don't know if He's coming up. As I pull him up, which in baptism symbolizes your new life in Christ, I thought he might come up frozen like Captain America. I mean, I just had no idea. He came out of the water. It was such an exciting experience. And this young man, he is an encourager. This young man is an example. This Gaius is an example of the Gaius in John's life. Promise number four. The gospel will go where Christians are willing to go. You see, it's, it's interesting because the brothers of Jesus, they didn't have a good reputation in the gospels before Jesus rose from the dead. Now remember in the, in the book of Jude, we, many scholars believe that Jude was written by one of the brothers of Jesus. And check out how they're described, the brothers of Jesus, in John chapter 7, verse 5. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. So Jude, James, and the other brothers of Jesus, they didn't believe that Jesus truly was the son of God, that he was God in the flesh. But then after they saw their brother, Jesus, rise from the dead, it's recorded in Acts chapter one, verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. In John, before the resurrection, his brothers doubt Jesus. After the resurrection, after they saw their brother come back from the dead, that was all the evidence they needed and they believed their brother was their savior. That's incredibly compelling evidence for why you can put your faith in Jesus Christ. With that backdrop, Jude, the brother of Jesus, says this. Jude 1 verse 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. 
This English word contend comes from the Greek word epagonizomai, which means to exert intense effort on behalf of. The Greek word epagonizomai is where we get our English word agonize, to exert intense effort on behalf of. You see, Jude, who's the convinced brother of Jesus, that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, he's saying God has entrusted to the church, which is not a building, it's to the believers, to those who have received Christ. God has entrusted with the church. He has entrusted the church with spreading the good news, the greatest story that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead for the forgiveness of sins. Yet we treat that high calling as a side hustle. Whew, I got to say that again. Some of us, we have, we, we, we've been treating the message that we have been entrusted with, the gospel. We are treating this high calling as a side hustle that we give our time to only if it's convenient. I want to ask you a question. What do you agonize over? For some people, for some of us, we agonize over, how can I just get out of work? We, we don't love our jobs. We, we try to figure out how can, we, how can we just get out of work? Like that's our agony. I read this article about this man who literally faked his own kidnapping to get out of work. This guy created a whole scheme, pretended, faked his own kidnapping just to get out of a day's work. But maybe for you, you, you agonize over having the cleanest house. Maybe you agonize over having the most perfectly behaved kids. Maybe you agonize over having more money than they have. Maybe you agonize over getting revenge for the ways that you were hurt. Friends, the gospel calls us to agonize over to prioritize sharing the gospel of Jesus. It is the most important news and there is an urgency to it. There's a story of a group of Christian missionaries who traveled to a remote village in China that had never heard the message of Jesus before. When they got there, they shared the gospel with everyone in the village and it was a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. Every person in that village surrendered their lives to Christ. It was incredible including the village elder. Well, when the village elder made his way to the front to talk with the Christian missionaries, he simply said to them, when did all of this happen? Jesus dying and rising from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. When did this happen? Was it a, was it a week ago? Was it a month ago? And these Christian missionaries were puzzled and, and they looked at him and they said, this happened 2,000 years ago. The missionaries said that the village elder, his face fell to the ground. He eventually lifted it and looked at them and simply said, what took you so long? If you're a follower of Jesus, I'm speaking to you and, and, and to me, I, I need to say something. If there are neighbors in your life who don't know that Jesus is the Lord of your life, who don't know the gospel, that needs to change in 2024. 
If there's people in your workplace who don't know that you're a Christian and don't know the good news of Jesus, that needs to change in 2024. If there's family members, if there's people in your sphere of influence who don't know that you follow Jesus and that he's the Lord of your life and they don't know the gospel, that that they can be saved eternally and live with Jesus forever, that needs to change. We have been entrusted with the greatest news that every single person on planet earth needs. We are commissioned, all of us, to go share the gospel with everyone. Because the gospel will go where Christians are willing to go. But what do we do to stay energized? Maybe for some of us, we've lost some of our passion for sharing the gospel. Well, Jude helps us focus on what will keep us energized in Jude verse 20. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy, as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. You see, the first thing Jude says is to stay energized so that you'll contend for the gospel, so that you'll share it with people. You've got to prioritize your own growth. And I think one of the best ways to do that is to prioritize reading the Bible. In 2021, a study by by the Center of Bible Engagement polled 40,000 people ages 8 to 80. They wanted to see how people were engaging in scripture and the impact it had on their lives. What they found was shocking. When people engaged with the Bible one to three times a week, it had some, but not a large impact on their lives. But the research showed that when a person engages with the Bible four or more times per week, the results literally leap off the charts. For example, loneliness drops by 30%. Anger drops by 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops by 40%. Alcoholism drops by 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops by 60%. Viewing pornography drops by 61%. Sharing your faith increases by 200%. Discipling another person increases by 230%. So maybe this year God is inviting you to listen or read, engage with the Bible at four or more times per week so he can transform your life through it. Or maybe it's an invitation to pray more. For me, I got, I got to confess to you, prayer has always been a challenge for me. I've had a difficult time just sitting in a room by myself and praying. I don't know if it's just how I'm wired, but this last year, God has unlocked a new depth and intimacy in my communication with him, in my prayer life with him. And it's happened as I'm doing prayer walks. I'll go on these walks where I'll listen to instrumental worship music or sometimes just not listen to anything at all. And as I'm walking, I'm having these conversations with God and it feels less awkward and feels more natural and feels deeper. And and our conversations go on longer and I'm doing a better job of listening. And so if you've ever struggled with prayer, I want to invite you to to try what I'm trying, to, to try going on some prayer walks and to prioritize reading the Bible. And then if, if you're going to stay energized, you got to do what Jude says to be merciful and patient with those who are doubting. 
those people in your life that you're sharing the gospel with, you got to walk patiently with them, lovingly with them. And then our final promise, promise number five, the end is just the beginning. Pastor Glenn launched our 10-week Revelation series back in the summer of 2022 with this quote from Billy Graham. Billy Graham said, The end will come with the return of Jesus Christ. That is why a Christian can be an optimist. That is why a Christian can smile in the midst of all that is happening. We know what the end will be, the triumph of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I remember Michael Broadhurst, who's a part of our groups ministry team. In fact, he writes a lot of the curriculum for our sermon-based life groups. He shared this quote with me from Pastor Matt Smethurst, who said this, God did not give us the book of Revelation so we'd build bomb shelters in the backyard. He gave us this book so we'd build bigger dinner tables and invite our friends over and tell them about Jesus. Now, the whole book of Revelation, to summarize it, is a difficult thing to do. But here's at least two things I know. Jesus will return and make all things new. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. You see, God from the very beginning desired to dwell with his people. When we sin, we recreate a gap and a chasm between us and God. But the way the story of the world ends is that God once again perfectly dwells with his people. And what awaits those of us who have put our trust in our life in Jesus's hands, who have received his forgiveness and have made him the Lord and Savior of our lives is we are promised an eternal heaven, a future where there is no more crying or pain or mourning. And maybe your whole life, that's been a a constant reality for you. Scripture promises us that there is a day coming where there will be no more of that. Randy Alcorn, who wrote an amazing book called Heaven, said this, Too often we've been taught that heaven is a non-physical realm, which cannot have real gardens, cities, kingdoms, buildings, banquets, or bodies. So we fail to take seriously what scripture tells us about heaven as a familiar, physical, tangible place. The climax of history will be the creation of new heavens and a new earth, a resurrected universe inhabited by resurrected people living with a resurrected Jesus. And then lastly, Jesus followers will see him, serve him, and reign with him forever. Revelation chapter 22, in the final chapter of the final book, of the Bible. 
Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healthy, for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Randy Alcorn in that same book says on the new earth, I think we'll continually be discovering to our delight what we never knew existed, what we've been missing all our lives. No joy is greater than the joy of discovery. The God who always surpasses our expectations will forever give us more of himself and his creation to discover. And now I want to end our year-long series, Jesus on Every Page reading the last words of Jesus from the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. Revelation twenty two thirteen. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then Jesus's final words, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. When it comes to 2024, here's the five promises. When you do as Jesus did, you will see what Jesus saw. Your output will be the result of your input. There is no greater joy than investing your life in another. The gospel will go where Christians are willing to go. And because Jesus is the first and he is the last, the end is just the beginning.